Welcome to Word on the Street, a weekly podcast from Barclays UK, where our experts help ordinary investors make sense of the latest news and events impacting the world's financial markets. This week, we discuss the UK autumn statement, how its changes could affect investors, and what impact it may have on the UK in the coming year. With Sarah Gresty, Head of Investments, Emma Hosking-Williams, Associate Partner in Ernst & Young's Private Capital Tax Team, Olivia Gleeson, Government Relations Expert, and Will Hobbs, Chief Investment Officer. The information in this call provides a general outline of the subjects covered in the 2022 Autumn Statement and should not be regarded as financial advice. Accordingly, EY cannot accept responsibility for loss arising from any action taken or not taken by anyone using information from this call. Welcome to another edition of Word on the Street. This week we are focusing on the UK again, following this week's much-trailed autumn statement. We have a great team assembled to analyse it from the perspective of tax, politics, investments and the economy. Emma, please could you kick us off with a high-level overview of Chancellor Hunt's statement? Thank you, Sarah. Well, the Chancellor delivered his autumn statement yesterday morning, a plan for a stronger economy. In opening his statement, he said that in order to deal with unprecedented global headwinds, his focus would be on stability, growth and public services. The £55 billion package will be funded around half by tax rises and half by spending cuts. The Chancellor highlighted there will be a substantial tax increase needed to address the cost of living crisis and to rebuild our economy. But he also confirmed that the government wants to see lower taxes once the economy has recovered. Well, thank you. Let's, Olivia, let's, maybe my first question for you as we turn to politics is, in your assessment, whether this represented good politics, don't worry, Will, we are going to get to the economics next. (laughs) (laughs) Good question. Well, I think, you know, I guess it depends on what what good politics means. Um, Look, on on the one hand, I think, you know, many constituents looking at the budget yesterday might be feeling, you know, the highest ever tax burden, I believe. Will will correct me if I'm wrong. You know, quite, quite really, it was quite foul medicine, I think the Sun put it this morning. But on alternative view, you know, the approach to fiscal tightening is potentially quite good politics. So what I mean by that is the Chancellor kind of backloaded uh, some of the pain of the statement. So he's implementing some tax rises now, but he's postponing the vast bulk of those spending cuts till after the next Parliament. So that's after April 2025, which, you know, incidentally would be following the next uh, general election. So, you know, a little bit of a shuffling act there, Um, whether or not, you know, voters feel positive, positively about that when it comes to the ballot box, you know, remains to be seen, but quite an interesting move. Will, I read your piece on the budget, which I found on LinkedIn this morning. You seem to be trying to inject a little optimism into the story. Tell us a bit more. Well, it's Friday morning, you know, and the sun is shining. We've all got to try and be happy. But I mean, I, I sometimes think that, you know, it's worth remembering that these are forecasts. Um, the further out they go, the less credible they are. You want to sort of thought experiment, all of you, how much of the current UK and global context uh, did you foresee accurately from five years ago? I would argue pretty much none of it. Definitely that, doesn't mean, 
<laughs> yeah, definitely zero. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't mean that um, that the OBR forecasts are definitely the Office of Budget Responsibility are definitely wrong. The UK is certainly heading into you know tougher territory economically um, and is you know already bleeding from several wounds. Brexit, one of them. However, if we start to see um, if we do start to see inflation fall back next year, which it, which is certainly not inconceivable, there are a lot of forces pulling inflation back down to the floor next year. You know, one of them kind of the lapping of fact it is possible that the market implied path of rates uh, interest rates is materially overestimated that could in turn mean a bit more w- wiggle room uh, for policymakers as olivia said you know the spending measures are really kind of loaded into the second half of the forecast so although they are part of this kind of credible this platter of credible fiscal behavior proffered to investors uh, to sort of restore that uh, that confidence we probably don't want to spend too much time parsing the detail and basing lots of stuff and thought on it. Much could change between now and then. Um, to reiterate, you know, we are negative on the short term outlook for the UK economy that, you know, the investment team here, uh, and we are investing accordingly in our short term, the short term portfolio. But I think the point is just beware extrapolating the gloom too far out. Remember, things can go right as well as wrong. Um, and, you know, just stay humble on the path ahead. Yeah, noted Will and Jeff, as you say, much can change. However, maybe coming back to the tax, taxation again, the tax measures were a little more front-loaded than expected. Emma, what were the main standouts for you on the personal taxation? Well, the Chancellor announced that the threshold for the 45% additional rate of income tax will reduce from April next year, meaning that more taxpayers will now fall within the scope of the 45% rate, and those already subject to the additional rate will face an increased tax bill going forward. In addition, the thresholds for the personal allowances, national insurance contributions and inheritance tax will now be frozen for an extra two years until April 2028. So the government's very much continuing to rely on fiscal drag to increase tax revenues over the next few years. There are also cuts announced in relation to the dividend allowance and capital gains tax annual exemption. And these will broadly be halved from April next year and then halved again from April 2024. So investors are going to see a real increase in tax on dividends and capital gains over the next couple of years. On a more slightly positive note, um, there were no changes announced to the rates of income tax or capital gains tax or the rate at which relief is given for pension contributions. Excellent. And were there any other key measures that you think our listeners might be interested in? Well, with the housing market facing significant headwinds as a result of volatile economic conditions and rising interest rates, there was some welcome relief for purchases. So the Chancellor announced that the stamp duty land tax threshold changes that were introduced in September will remain in place until 31st of March 2025, at which point they will cease. The government has decided not to introduce an online sales tax and a response to that consultation will be published soon. And the Chancellor also announced that electric cars will no longer be exempt from vehicle excise duty from April 2025. So it'll be interesting to see whether this decelerates the UK's journey to net zero going forward. Yeah, interesting. So maybe just picking up on the point on housing, Will, I know you and the team have been worried about UK house prices for a while now. Should we still be worried? Well, I mean, Sarah, yes. I mean, I think, uh, you know, Emma pointed out there that it has been a bit wobbly. And one of the sort of factors that people would cite there is the rise in uh, real interest rates. And that, uh, as in inflation-adjusted interest rates. 
And, you know, there is, as we've pointed out, some, you know, the drivers of house prices, I think, if you look across, you know, the world and in the UK, even, you know, they are what's called heterogeneous. It's, very, it's quite difficult to sort of pinpoint single drivers um, of house prices, particularly at the street level. There's all sorts of stuff going on. However, there is some relationship established by the Bank of England. There was a Bank of England paper from a couple of years back looking at uh, the relationship between real interest rates and house prices. And they suggest, I think, that it was a 1% rise in real interest rates could be linked over time to a 20% fall in um, house prices. Now, you know, this is over time, not all in one go. But what we would argue here is I think the thing for, you know, our clients and investors to think about is, you know, for many decades, your house has doubled up as a very attractive investment portfolio, given the returns that house prices have offered. Now, the stuff that we are encouraging people to get into with regards to investments, you know, diversified access to the global economy, you, of course, can't live in that. You can't cook your breakfast in it. But we do think that is welcome, you know, that diversifies your your savings prospects, because what you're doing is not just anchoring your investment returns or your you know the returns of your savings to the price action of one street in the UK what you're doing is you're tethering it to the ingenuity and brilliance of our fellow uh, billions of inhabitants of the of, of, on the planet and that over time as we've pointed out repeatedly that's been a good bet to make just leaving that um, you know allowing your savings to be harnessed and tethered to those uh, to our fellow citizens and their ingenuity that's proved to be a good way to a uh, good way to grow your savings over time not reliably month week to week month to month but uh, over the years it's proven quite a good bet uh, because we continue to invent new stuff and get better at using that new stuff so uh, our suggestion is that you know going forward your house might provide less of an attractive kind of investment return but you'll still be able to live in it and cook your breakfast in it um, but we do think that is it's important to try and uh, Residents of the UK, wherever possible, with whatever savings you, you can spare to get those uh, savings to work in capital markets portfolios, where we think that sort of improves your long term growth, uh, you know, return prospects, if that makes sense. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Thanks, Will. So I'd like to finish off with a teaser for Olivia. The next general election might be just around the corner. And as you suggest, the guns have been spiked a little on the evidence of this budget. Where does all this lead Labour? Well, I think it's a fascinating question. I mean, not least because I just outlined and will sort of reinforce, you know, the Chancellor's made some of the most severe aspects of that fiscal tightening, you know, largely a problem for the next government. But I think, you know, Labour are left in a pretty tight spot on a few fronts, actually. You know, firstly, a lot of those tax rises stole Labour's march in many senses. You know, for example, the top rate of tax being applied more broadly feels quite Labour friendly. What about, you know, the additional windfall taxes uh, in the energy sector? I think that's pretty Labour ground. Uh, But, you know, more fundamentally than just that, if Labour were to win the next election, remember, I can't make any bets on this podcast or or privately, perhaps, they'll likely be beholden to a lot of those painful spending cuts planned for after April 2025 if they want to get the deficit down. An incoming Labour government just won't be able to do everything that it wants with its hands you know, very much tied by the fiscal reality in front of it. So, you know, I think it's a pretty interesting, uh, you know, let's say 18 months to two years, whenever the next general election is going to be for the Labour Party to work out exactly how it's going to approach its sort of running ticket, so to speak. Excellent. Well, thanks, Olivia. And look forward to ask, asking you that question again and again, even if you can't <laughs> answer it. Well, just forget what I said last time. I'll take my opinion time. Yeah, that goes for me too, by the way. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, I was going to say, with that, thank you, Olivia. Thank you, Emma and Will, for joining us. And thanks, everyone, for listening again. Look forward to joining you next week for another Words on the Street.
This podcast is not a personal investment recommendation. All tax rules can change in future and their effects depend on your individual circumstances, which can also change. We don't offer personal tax advice. You should obtain this independently if you are unsure. Investments can fall as well as rise in value and their past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance.